0: you call yourself an anti-conflict person even though you don't like to admit it sometimes you are out there agreeing to do things that you don't really want to do you sometimes feel like you give too much or you give in ways that don't actually feel good. Everything that I just talked about is a people pleasing tendency. And in this podcast episode, I wanna dive deep into the very actionable, very tangible things that you can do to leave your people pleasing behaviors behind. This episode is gonna be long. Grab a cup of tea, buckle in, get yourself ready. I have a lot to say. Well, Welcome to Grow With Intention, the podcast for people who want to create a life that feels good. Before we talk about the actionable ways to let go of your people-pleasing, I want to talk about what people-pleasing actually is. And I do want to talk about the very commonly quoted idea on the internet that people-pleasing is manipulation. People-pleasers are out there manipulating people into thinking about them in certain ways or feeling certain ways about them. Look, is there a grain of truth to this? Yes. Are people pleasers master manipulators that are super conscious of what they are doing, that are very intentionally going out there trying to shape people's perception of them? No. People pleasing is usually really unconscious behavior, like knee-jerk behavior. It is done out of self-protection. That doesn't mean that people pleasing is this pure kind behavior where you put everyone else's needs ahead of your own. That's what people pleasing is often sold as and oftentimes that's just not the case. And we'll dive into that later. But on the other end of the spectrum, people pleasing is not master manipulation. Now let's talk about how to drop your people pleasing tendencies, starting with step number one, which is to stop calling yourself a people pleaser. So James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits and he talks about how to embed a habit in your life You need to create an identity out of it. So you don't just go on runs, you are a runner. You don't just eat healthy, you're a healthy person. To really embed the behaviors that we do as our identity. And I feel like with people pleasing, what we've gone and done is almost done the reverse and turned what is usually only like a handful of behaviors into an entire identity and then run with it. Most people I know who call themselves a people pleaser actually only have a few behaviors that they do that would qualify as people pleasing. I haven't met many full blown in every area of their life people pleasers. I've met those people before for sure, but they're just not as common as you would think. And maybe you are listening to this and you're like, no, I do qualify as a full blown people pleaser. That could totally be the case. But that's just not what I see observationally. I talk to people who call themselves people pleasers, but then they'll totally disagree with me on an opinion. They'll say no when they don't wanna hang out. They'll tell me that they're low energy and they can't help me out with something. That's not people pleasing. And this is not me complaining about that. That's a good thing that isn't people pleasing. The best thing that you can do for yourself when you start this journey of letting go of people pleasing is to instead of calling yourself a people pleaser, start getting clear on the specific things that you do that lean towards people pleasing. Instead of overcoming being a people pleaser, You are trying to manage how you respond to feelings of disapproval from others. I promise that when you stop looking at yourself as a people pleaser and you stop talking about people pleasing in general and you start really getting specific and nitty gritty about the behaviors that you think are people pleasing behaviors, it will feel a lot easier and more possible to overcome those behaviors but how do you actually become those behaviors let's talk about it with step number two which is identifying your must be seen as and your must not be seen as boxes. Going back to what I was talking about before, a lot of the talk of people pleasing on the internet comes from a place of, you know, people pleasers just put everyone's needs above their own. And I get where this is coming from. I've never really met someone who has people pleasing tendencies that isn't super empathetic and kind. That is generally the case, not always, but generally. However, when you have people pleasing tendencies, they don't always come from a place of deep empathy. In fact, I'd argue they have a lack of empathy. I'll share a story from one of my people- moments. One time I went out to dinner with a friend, I had a full-on dinner, I had a full-on dessert, I came home and I felt sick, like I felt unwell, I had eaten so much and then Luke came out and he had an ice cream and he was like I bought you a treat and in that moment I went oh my god I'm gonna have to eat this treat because I feel so bad. I feel like I have to, it would be so ungrateful, it would be so selfish for me not to eat this treat. So I ended up eating this ice cream that Luca bought me and it made me feel extra unwell, like I didn't want to eat it at all. I felt sick and sure you could definitely look at that story from the perspective of wow she's putting everyone else's needs above her own but actually in that moment I was much more concentrated on my must-be-seen-as boxes than I was on Luke. In my head unconsciously part of me was going I must not be seen as selfish, I must not be seen as ungrateful, I must be seen as grateful and gracious. I was not thinking in that moment how would Luke feel if he knew that I was eating a dessert that would make me feel sick because I felt like I had to. I was thinking much more of myself. I was very self-focused in that moment. And this is the more difficult part of working with your people-pleasing tendencies. It's really acknowledging the fact that they aren't always coming from an other's focused perspective. Instead, our brain often has these must-be-seen-as-boxes and it really thinks that there are consequences should we not be seen in those ways. If you have people-pleasing tendencies, you have must-be-seen-as-boxes or must-not-be-seen-as-boxes boxes. And it's really important to start mapping out those boxes by looking at the moments where you have, you know, crossed your own boundaries or people pleased in some way and going, okay, well, what would my must be seen as boxes in those moments? And what does my brain think are the consequences? Should I not be seen in those ways? Which leads me to step number three of letting go of your people pleasing tendencies. And I feel like I might get ripped apart for this, but in part To let go of your people-pleasing tendencies, you need to practice more empathy. And this type of empathy is mindful and wide-ranging empathy. It's slightly different. So when you're applying wide-ranging empathy, you want to empathize with yourself. And you may think, well, I am empathizing with myself, but you're not. You're in self-protection mode. You're not actually sitting and going, okay, what are the consequences for me here? What is the cost of me doing this? You also need to apply empathy to the other person involved. And often this actually gets missed, which seems surprising. But if you think back to my ice cream story, in that moment, was I actually empathizing with Luke? To a degree, but not really. If I really empathized and went, you know, what will Luke most want me to do right now? Of course he would most want me to be like, hey, that'll make me feel sick. Thank you so much though, I'll have it tomorrow. And in some cases, your empathy can extend to the people that will be impacted your decision because there are often third parties involved. So for example I recently had someone reach out to me and I'm gonna fudge the details of this story on purpose just for privacy reasons but they had a self-love club that they wanted to promote on my newsletter and at first I was like oh like it would be so mean to not just let them promote their thing on my newsletter for free. You know what reason do I really have? But then I was like, okay, let's apply some wide ranging empathy. Firstly, I empathize with myself. So the cost of doing this is that, am I opening the doors for anyone to be able to contact me and promote on my newsletter? That's not really something that I feel willing to do right now. Secondly, I didn't really know this person's content very well. So I didn't feel like I could confidently promote it. And the risk to me of course, is that I'm promoting something that I'm not that familiar with, and that could ruin the trust that my audience has in me. And when I really did that, deep empathy I was like oh no there is real risk to me here and then because this is wide-ranging empathy I went okay well what about my subscribers the risk to them is that they end up with low quality info that I haven't vetted I don't have the time to vet and ultimately, I do a disservice to them. I also empathize with the person who had reached out to me and I was like, yeah, like, of course they want to promote their product. And there are really kind ways that I can turn this down where empathy exists, but I'm still holding myself to my limits. And people pleasers often don't practice this wide ranging form of empathy. Like they are not sitting, reflecting and empathizing with themselves and going, what are the risks and costs to me here? They aren't empathizing with the other person even. Because oftentimes we do things that we're like, damn, I'd hate it." if someone would do that to me. I would hate it if someone agreed to hang out with me when actually they didn't want to. I would hate it if someone agreed to help with me when in their head, they were feeling super resentful about it. I would hate it if someone agreed with my opinions just because they felt like they had to because they wanted me to like them or they wanted me to not dislike them. I would hate that. And that's the case for most people who have people-pleasing tendencies. They would hate for other people to do what they do to others to them. And I also think that's a really helpful exercise to do as well. Take your people-pleasing behaviors that you know you have, which probably for most of you, it's not a huge amount. You might just have like two or three and go, how would I feel if I knew someone was doing that to me? It usually would not feel good. Empathy is what I think is actually missing when it comes to a lot of the advice on how to move past people pleasing on the internet because a lot of the advice out there really indicates that the opposite of people pleasing is selfishness of like me first energy and you see people swing that way and you see it cause damage and confusion and hurt. I have seen friends of friends do this, I've seen people in my life do this, I have done this. It's a really common swing that people do when they realize oh like I'm not respecting any of my own boundaries. They go okay well I'm gonna get really me firsty and step into my selfish error, my villain error and usually that isn't very sustainable for someone who has had people-pleasing tendencies because you're probably an empathetic you know, generally kind person. And not only will stepping into your selfish error feel really wrong, but because it's coming from a lack of empathy, it's coming from self-focused thinking, other people will respond to it really poorly as well. But when you start to practice wide ranging empathy, where you really empathize with other people and you really empathize with yourself and your own needs as well, and anyone else that is affected by your decisions, you will feel so much more trust in any boundaries that you set or like needs that you express. And even when you do get a negative response from other people, when maybe you don't say yes, where you usually would, or you don't agree with someone where you normally would, even when, someone reacts poorly, you will feel more trust and more confidence in the way that you have acted because it's come from a place of deep empathy. It's come from a place of thoughtfulness instead of like me first energy. Now let's talk about the next step to leaving your people pleasing era, which is to start the mental rehearsal. So I've already talked about how most people pleasing behaviors are very knee jerk reactions. Like they are very automatic. They do not feel conscious at all. If you're saying yes, when you wanna say no, you're not like present in that moment. If you're saying things that you don't mean, Probably not very present. If you're agreeing to things you don't agree with, I'm sure you're not feeling very present. It's very automatic. It's very much like word vomit or behavior vomit, if you will. And because of that, it's really hard to break those patterns, which is where mental rehearsal can come in handy. What I would recommend that you do is pick one specific behavior of people pleasing that you're really trying to get past. So that could be, you know, speaking up when your order is wrong at a restaurant, it could be not offering to hang out with people when you don't want to hang out with them. Them. Really think back to those moments in time where you did things that felt like they crossed your own limits. And then mentally rehearse and put yourself back in those scenarios. Practice wide-ranging empathy and make different decisions. The key with mental rehearsal, and I talked about this in my podcast episode on manifestation or practical manifestation, is that mental rehearsal should always be you picturing a very reasonable approximation of you. It should never be you picturing, you know, this person that effortlessly can turn down plans or turn down a request for help. If that's not how you naturally are now, Instead, what you should be picturing is you, for example, having someone ask you to help them move that you don't know very well. And then within your mental rehearsal, you should actually experience the exact same feelings that you would get in real life. So if that is the urge to be like, oh my God, of course I'll help, let yourself experience that urge in your mental rehearsal. And then let yourself practice wide-ranging empathy and make the decision that feels most aligned, that feels the most empathetic towards yourself. And towards the other person. The next step to leaving your people pleasing behaviors behind. And this also sounds contradictory, but find ways to give that feel good. Once again, a lot of people, when they realize, oh, like I'm crossing all of my own limits and I feel like I'm giving too much or I'm giving in ways that don't feel good. They swing so far in the opposite direction and they end up being actually very uh, restrictive with their giving. I put a quote up on Instagram about this the other day from the book, The Art of Giving and Receiving, which is actually a book about consent but it definitely applies to people pleasing and the quote is when we are worried about having to give too much we become afraid to give anything at all when we take full responsibility for our limits we become relaxed and generous within those limits it is backward from what we might think the way to joy and generosity is not to push ourselves but to own our limits. So to give an example of this, a while ago, I saw this clip of a lady who was talking about how she was on her way to the gym and she knew that someone in her gym class had a birthday that day. And she was like, oh, like the nice thing to do would be to go to Starbucks, pick up a little gift card and bring it to that lady. Also went on supporting Starbucks to be clear. But then she was like, actually, you know, I don't have to do that. I need to, you know, put myself first kind of thing. And she got absolutely piled on. People were like, this is what pop therapy is doing to the internet. It's okay to do things for people. But honestly, I understand why she said that and why she did that because so much content about people pleasing, which I am so sure she had consumed, it really puts you in a mindset of being very protective of your giving, giving less, putting yourself first, being really careful that you're not being taken advantage of. And it really puts you in this mindset that actually doesn't feel good at all because it feels really good to give. And giving is like a beautiful and wonderful thing. Adam Grant actually has this book called Give and Take, where he divides people up, according to the data, into givers, takers, and matches. So matches, they'll give as long as they get. Takers, We stay away from them because they are terrifying people to peer around. And givers are divided up into two. There are otherish givers and there are selfless givers. Otherish givers have their own strong goals, ambitions, and interests. And most importantly, they have a really strong understanding of their limits. Selfless givers really lack those strong goals, interests, ambitions, and they also really lack strong boundaries and a strong understanding of where their limits are. So they end up overgiving. They're also much less likely to ask for help. They might martyr themselves a little bit more as well. And really interestingly, otherish givers actually sit up the top when it comes to successful people. Like they are in the top bunch. Selfless givers are at the bottom. They tend to be the most unsuccessful. From all the research that Adam Grant did on givers, his conclusion was that being an effective giver isn't about dropping everything to do things for other people. It's about ensuring that the way that you give doesn't deplete your energy and doesn't feel like it's crossing your limits. It's about generously giving in ways that feel good for you, because at the end of the day, giving can actually feel energizing. It can actually feel uplifting. It can feel really good to give. I actually always talk about how oftentimes when I give, it feels a little subtle. Selfish, because I'm like I'm having a good time giving when I give in ways that feel good like it feels selfish not fully of course but like a little bit so if we go back to the example of the lady with her Starbucks like maybe in that moment she was crossing her limits by going to Starbucks and getting the Starbucks gift card I don't want to bad talk this woman she would have had a tough enough time already but once again we don't need to be protective about giving instead it might be better to ask yourself what is a way of giving that feels good to me here, that would feel enjoyable for me. For example, for me, I could probably never be a go-to babysitter for my friends or someone to call if you need someone to take care of your kids. As my friends, you know, start having kids, thinking about having kids, I'm just probably not going to be that go-to person, especially for last minute babysitting. However, if you need someone to accompany you on an errand day because you need to be held accountable, if you need someone to help you clean and tidy your house, organize your house, declutter your house. you need someone to riff about your goals with you, hold you accountable for your goals, support you in your dreams, like that is my way of generous giving. And I think it really helps to identify what kind of giving feels good for you so that you don't feel like you need to restrict yourself from giving, which is what a lot of people end up doing when they learn about this people-pleasing stuff, when they feel they may have been taken advantage of or given too much, they start to become really protective of giving. And that's what you don't want to land, which leads me to the next step, which is experiencing the consequences of crossing your limits. I watched this TikTok the other day of this girl and she was saying how she went no contact with obviously a crappy partner and she'd have all her friends coming to her and being like, how did you do it? Like, I don't know how you did it. And her response was just, well, you just haven't gone through enough you need to go through more and then you'll get it. And then you'll be able to do it. Once you've gone through enough, you'll hit a point and you'll be like, enough is enough. And this is something I've gone through, not with like toxic partners, I haven't really dealt with that, but definitely with certain behaviors of my own. I have given myself the ick. And sometimes that is an essential part of change. Repeating certain patterns, becoming deeply mindful of the consequences of repeating those patterns will absolutely give you the ick. If you keep on agreeing to plans that you do not want to go to and then you mindfully experience the consequences of you doing that you will give yourself the ick What happens more often is that we don't experience the consequences mindfully. And there's a difference between noticing something and being mindfully aware in the moment of it. Like you can notice, oh, it didn't feel very good to, you know, go to that thing that I didn't want to go to. But it's a whole different thing to sit there and become mindful of how it feels to have crossed your own limits, how emotionally drained you feel, how upset you are at yourself. If you keep on agreeing with other people when you don't actually, you know, agree with their opinions, become mindful fully aware of how it feels to do that, of how it feels to be inauthentic and say what you don't mean. If you feel like you keep on overgiving and you're exhausting yourself because of it, become mindfully aware of that, become mindfully aware of the consequences to the point where you give yourself the ick. We've reached our mini moves segment. This is where I share three really mini actions that you can take today based on this podcast episode. I feel like this podcast episode was super actionable in and of itself. But if I were to give you three tiny moves that you could make to day to actually put this into practice first it would be start mapping your people-pleasing behaviors so often people call themselves people pleasers they don't know the specific behaviors that they do that are people-pleasing really become mindfully aware of what you're actually doing in your day-to-day life that you would consider to be people-pleasing a good way to do this is actually in the habit loop format so trigger behavior reward for example trigger Someone asked me for help. Behavior. I agree without being mindful and without practicing wide-ranging empathy. Reward you might be like, what reward? There's no reward. But the reward would be those must be seen as boxes being checked. The reward might be, you know, approval. The reward might be the avoidance of any kind of rejection, upset or conflict. Really start getting nitty gritty about what behaviors you have in your life that you see as people pleasing behaviors. The second mini move that I would make after listening to this podcast is actually write down a list of the last five to 10 times that you can remember leaning into people-pleasing behaviors. What you might find doing this is that you don't actually people-please as often as you think. You might find that you struggle to even think of examples of yourself people-pleasing, but write down all of the examples that you can think of, which leads to mini-move number three, which is mentally rehearse, redoing those situations. Practice wide-ranging empathy in the moment, experience the feeling of resistance that you would feel in your day-to-day life, and go ahead and change your behavior even if it feels difficult in that mental rehearsal. I would actually practice the mental rehearsal a few times if you could. Now let's get into the recs of the week. So with every podcast episode, I like to give you a few recommendations of resources that you can dive into to go a little deeper on this topic. The first recommendation I'm gonna give is The Art of Giving and Receiving, which once again is a book about consent and sex. So it may not feel super relevant, but I actually think it's wildly relevant for people pleasers. And actually I have seen Hayley Page McGee, who. who is big on boundaries on Instagram, she released a whole article about people pleasing and sex and the confusion that that can cause. I would recommend that article as well. That's going to be my second rec of the week. Highly recommend both of those things. They will be linked in the show notes. My third recommendation of the week is, did you say something, Susan? Simply because it has so many scenarios in it that you can take, that you can use for mental rehearsal, that you can use to practice your wide-ranging empathy. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, you might enjoy my podcast episode on social anxiety. I'm going to have it linked down below in the show notes. A lot of the traits of social anxiety and the traits of people-pleasing tend to overlap. You probably have a little bit of one if you have a little bit of the other. Highly recommend going and giving that a listen because so much of it is relevant to this conversation. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. I appreciate you so much and I will see you soon.